dry Drink of the water Come and thirst no more Come all you sinners Come find his mercy Come to the table He will satisfy Taste of his goodness
sing Welcome to Watershed on this beautiful Sunday morning. We invite you to stand. Go ahead and find someone around you that you can welcome and greet. And uh, yeah, what a great day to be here. Again, we're so glad you're here with us, and we want you to join us in worship as we continue singing. Go ahead and stay standing and sing along with us. you 
is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of a symphony to my ears. It's like holy water. been a long time since I've been up here with all of you. So um, in case you don't know who I am, my name is Dee Stahl, and I am the Congregational Care Coordinator here at Heart of Wyke. And I get to pray with you guys this morning. But before we pray, I have just a couple announcements. Let me set my Bible down here a second so I can pull this out. This morning, um, I think these sheets of paper got handed out for you. Um, They have 
some announcements on them about what's coming up in the next uh, few weeks. On Wednesday this week, um, we're going to have our community night picnic slash carnival happening. That's going to be our kickoff for Wednesday night stuff. So we'd love for you to come and join us. There is dinner um, at 5.15 to 6, and there will also be a bunch of carnival games, dunk tanks. I think you can put uh, Pastor Aaron down in the <laughs> dunk tank if you want, and several other people on staff, I'm sure. Um, and the following week will be the um, actual start of our community night dinner, regular dinners with um, gems and cadets and uh, Bible study and stuff like that. So make sure you check out um, on the website, on the news page, for all of the information about those things. Also, last week, Pastor Aaron mentioned that um, the Park to Park race is coming up. Um, on September 25, I had to look at the date, I almost said 22. Anyway, she, Jen Routabush, um, executive director, and all of her wonderful um, employees and volunteers are looking for more volunteers to help with that race. You could be out on the race course um, somewhere with, at a water station. You might be at the fairgrounds um, helping with um, the registration and start and finish line and things like that. But if, you, if that's something that you or your family think that you would like to do, please contact Jen Routabush. Um, her email is just jennifer at hardawake.com. She would love to plug you in somewhere. So um, I think that's it for my announcements this morning. Let me grab my Bible and we will pray. Pray with me this morning. Hear these words from Psalm 5. Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay down my requests before you and wait expectantly. Good morning, Father. We gather here this morning as a community, a community of believers united in your hope and your grace. And we're here this morning, we gather in person or in spirit through the use of technology. We're constantly reminded of your goodness, Lord, as we lay our requests before you this morning. We see goodness through your creation around us, and we are experiencing it daily as we transition from hot, steamy weather and days at the beach to crisp and cool fall evenings and mornings. These things remind us again and again of your continued goodness as our creator and the love that you have for each one of us. You created this beauty that surrounds us, and we are grateful that these rich blessings are things you share with us. God, this year where we can take nothing for granted. We thank you for that we have food on our tables and secure food supply for most of us. Thank you for our medical systems and those who work tirelessly to provide care for us. The past 18 months, life has been hard for everyone. But for some, Lord, it's been harder than, for, than others. We lift prayers for the people who are grieving around us, and we're reminded of the Watkin family and the recent loss of Josh. And now that the funeral is over and life moves on for those around them, 
help us to remember that they still need the time and the space to grieve in their way. And we think of John and Beth this morning and the uncertainty surrounding Beth's illness and weakening strength. Father, so many are also mourning the loss of jobs or businesses, the loss of freedom to be with family or to travel, again, just when we thought that maybe things might be going back to normal a bit. Father, we pray for health and for an end to this pandemic. Lord, we think about yesterday being the 9-11 anniversary. Lord, we pray for a country unified through that. We know there's political divide, whether we agree or disagree with things that are happening. And again, we pray for a country that is unified. Lord, in the midst of these hard things, there's still many things to celebrate with great joy. This morning, we witnessed the baptism with the Van Campen family of Cole Alexander. Cole is going to be baptized with cleansing water into the body of Christ. And as each of us make promises to support and uphold, uphold him and his family in your teaching, Lord. We know that Cole is and that we are deeply loved by you, forgiven by grace alone. And this morning we pray with Wanda as she prepares to travel to Alaska on Saturday she, with a team that's going from Calvary, Christian Reformed, to Alaska, Lord. Father, This is a unique opportunity these individuals have to experience your splendor. And we pray that they are challenged, and we pray that they are stretched, and that they are molded to fulfill your calling in their life, and that they return home refreshed for ministry wherever you place them. We pray also that any of the people that they interact with while they're at Eagle, Eagle Crest Campus, Lord, that those people can see your light shining through each person on this team. Father, we praise you today for Heart Awake Ministries, for Pastor Bill, for Pastor JB, for Pastor Aaron, as they lead us in our communities across campus, bringing your word and giving us the tools we need to be disciples in your name. We pray a blessing on the folks who call this place their home, whether they attend celebration or fusion or watershed. Lord, join us today in each of these spaces. We pray all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dee. And again, good morning to everybody this morning. At this point in time, uh, we get to celebrate. I mean, Sunday mornings are opportunities to celebrate God and his goodness, God's promises to us each and every week. Sunday, when we gather for worship, you could say it's Resurrection Sunday. We remember that Christ is raised to life and we have life today. But something special about today is Austin and Callie are bringing Cole Alexander before us to be baptized. Now, as we think about baptism this morning, baptism is truly a celebration, not simply because Austin and Callie and us are going to make some promises. Um, Because the reality is, our promises are weak, and they're feeble. You're going to not carry through on your promises. And by the way, we as the church are going to make mistakes and not carry through on our end as well. But our hope in baptism isn't about, Austin and Callie, your promises made for Cole, and again, your continuing promises for Sam. It's not about how well we keep our promises 
this morning to Cole and to the Vincampans. No, baptism is about God's faithfulness to his promises to us. Our promises, while we know they're weak and feeble, we we don't rely on ours. We come before an almighty God who has promised in Christ Jesus to love us and bring us to life. In Christ Jesus to wash us clean. Right? That's why we baptize adults who've never known Jesus. That's why we baptize infants. Because this is about God's promises, what God has done in Christ Jesus, not about us. Because if it was about me and it was about you this morning, if it was about Austin and Callie, if it was about Cole, we're going to have to be baptized all the time. <laughs> Amen, anybody? <laughs> Right, Because I'm going to fail. We're going to fail. No, the beauty of this sacrament, that's what it is. It's a sacrament. It's a means of God's grace. Is that this is all about God's promising to Cole and reminding all of us again today the promises he has for all of us, his church. So, as we celebrate, Austin, Callie, Cole, and uh, Sam, you want to come up too, buddy? You avoided me at the door. Are we going to make it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Good. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, Cole. How you doing? Got a little glossy in the eyes. You're going to make it, I believe. (laughs) Austin and Callie, this is a good day, right? Actually, not long ago. I mean, it, it, it has, it's been a little bit, you know. One of the first things we did coming out of kind of the COVID shutdown, one of the first things we got to do as a community together was baptize Cole. That was a pretty, pretty neat experience, right? Because, again, we're together. We get to be together. And as we're together, as we think about God's promises this morning, I want us to be reminded of these words, that baptism is, an, is a sign and seal of God's promises to his covenant people, right? Those people he is chosen to be in relationship with. In baptism, God promises by grace alone to forgive us of our sins, to adopt us into the body of Christ, the church, to send the Holy Spirit daily to renew us and to cleanse us, as well as to resurrect us to eternal life. And this promise is made visible in water, right? And one of the cool things about this water, folks, is that it's from the Jordan River. So when they were in Israel, they got to bring some of it home. And the Jordan was where Jesus himself was baptized. It it doesn't, it's still water. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, again, God is sealing those promises upon little coal. Through baptism, though, we we remember that water cleanses, it purifies, it refreshes, and it sustains us. And as we see it, we remember that Jesus Christ himself is the living water. And through baptism, then, Christ calls us to a new obedience, to love and trust God completely, to forsake the evil of the world and live a new and holy life. Austin and Kelly, do you promise to instruct Cole Alexander and to continue to instruct Sam as well in the truth of God's word, in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ, to pray for them, to teach them to pray, and to train them in Christ's way by your example, through worship and in the nurture of the church. If you can say so, please say, we do, God helping us. We do, God helping us. Awesome. And now, hey, 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to look at anybody. Hey, buddy, I want to share some words for you. Listen to these words, buddy. For you, little one, Jesus Christ came into the world. <laughs> I know, that's me too a lot of times. I'll turn away as well sometimes, yeah. But for you, Jesus came into the world, right? For you, he lived and he showed, yeah, he showed God's love. For you, he entered the darkness of Gethsemane and the horror of Calvary on the cross. He uttered a cry, it is finished. Not only did he say that, he, he rose, though, after dying on the cross, he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, and he stands on your behalf. Yeah, he intercedes for you and for me too, bud. All of this was done for you, Cole, before you ever knew it. Yeah, you don't realize it right now, but Jesus did that long ago for you. Yeah, and for me too. And so the promise of the gospel is fulfilled. We love because God first loved us. Cole Alexander, I baptize you in the name of the Father, <gasps> in the name of the Son, Whoop, you got it, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now, Watershed, Heart of White community, if you'll stand, and I've got a couple questions as we make promises this morning. Do you promise to love and encourage to support the Van Campen family by teaching the gospel of God's love, by being examples of Christian faith and character, and by giving the strong support of God's family in fellowship, prayer, and service? If you can say so, please say, we do, God helping us. Awesome. If you want to remain standing, family, friends, if you want to gather around, um, we place hands on Austin and Callie and Cole. And after this, we're going to send our children too to children's ministry, but we're going to pray for them as well that they continue to grow in the knowledge of the gospel. But we're placing hands on, and you can raise hands up. How about that? <laughs> well, let's pray for them this morning. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you've never left us alone to ourselves. But from the very beginning of history, when sin entered the world and separated us, you set a plan in place to restore us and bring us back to you. Father, out of the goodness of your love, you have given yourself in Jesus Christ to not only die and take on the weight of sin and all of that comes with it, but Lord, to be resurrected and bring life. And it's in your life that we have life, and we pray that your life and your light would continue to shine in the Van Campen family. Lord, and especially this morning on Cole. May he come to know you and grow in you. Lord, that you'll give Austin and Callie and Sam too wisdom to guide them, that we as brothers and sisters in faith will walk alongside them, support them, and encourage them so that he will know the goodness of you. Lord, and in the places and the times where they fail and we fail, God, make up that difference. Work in spite of us for your purposes to him, because he is your loved child. Lord, as we think about Cole this morning and we think about baptizing him, we remember that we have been baptized as well. 
Lord, our children who are heading out into children's ministry, us, your children now, we go in the promises of your presence and your power. Thank you for that goodness. May we all grow in that, whether it's through a message here, whether it's in a room listening and singing, whether it's just spending time together, God. May we grow in the goodness of your love, knowing that it was long before we ever knew it. You loved us, gave your life for us. And so we, in turn, Lord, offer our lives back to you. Thank you for this love and this sacrament of baptism. Thank you for coal. We praise you in your name, Jesus, we pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. Let's praise the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Now, as they're heading down, kids, we've prayed for you too. And guess what? We have children's ministry through fifth grade this morning. So if you'll head off to Miss Lori, head on that way. Fifth grade. It's been like almost two years since we've had through fifth grade. <laughs> Woohoo! And I'll put in a shameless plug. I know Lori and Sam can always use more help. So, <laughs> no, it's awesome to be able to, to live together in God's word, to celebrate, again, baptism is a, is a great celebration, a great reminder of God's pr- promises in his presence. And, and we're coming to the end of this whole book series in Acts, and guess what? We're ending listening to how Paul anchored himself in the promises and the presence of God. Couldn't be more fitting for a morning like this. I didn't plan this uh, 20, however many. It's been 23 weeks in the book of Acts, okay? It's been a long time. (laughs) You couldn't have planned a better ending for a better day to have the sacrament today to remind us of God's goodness in his life for us. Throughout this series of Acts, we've, we entitled it Devoted. We entitled it Devoted because we were looking at and seeing how a people who knew Jesus, right, firsthand, we don't, we don't get to see Jesus firsthand. We don't, we don't necessarily get to experience that. We don't necessarily get to even have what Paul had on the road to Damascus where there's this bright, shining light and have this, aha, whoa, Jesus, you know, like Jesus audibly talking to us. But these people, committed to Jesus, knowing his life in light, set out on, on a journey, right? This, this ragtag, motley crew bunch who came out of the Jewish culture, who were fishermen, who were, you know, blacksmiths, who were t- tanners, they worked with leather, who were, who were religious zealots, who were, I mean, they were a ragtag bunch. Who these people, believing in Jesus, empowered by the Spirit of God, set off to change the world. Do you realize that because of the story we hear in Acts today, you and I know about Jesus today? We wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for that ragtag, motley crew, group of people who are devoted to the message and to the person and the work and the mission of Jesus Christ. For centuries now, the church has grown We may not always see how it's growing, but let me tell you this. Christianity is growing all around the world, even though it may not be in our country. It is almost everywhere else. Yes, we've got work to do, 
But listen, the testimony and the story that we have heard all throughout Acts is this, and we'll hear again today. Nothing stops God. Nothing. No matter what we do, no matter how, how poorly we fail, no matter how weak we are, last week we talked about evangelism, no matter how many times we don't share the gospel, we, we, we get caught in our fears and our trials, nothing stops God from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. God wants more people like Cole to be baptized, us to know his love in life, whether you're being brought up as a child or coming to know it for the first time at 40 or even 80. This series through Acts has been one where, again, we see God, that nothing can stop God and his plans and purposes in our world. So today, I want to bring us to the end. Acts 28. Now, there is a lot in 27 we'll refer to a little bit in there uh, today, but Acts 28, we might as well end at the end. Paul has now arrived in Rome. We've heard for weeks now that, that God said he's going to Caesar. One way or another, he was going to go to Caesar, and he was going to share the gospel. And here's how Luke decides to end this book of the Bible, starting in verse 16 of Acts 28. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself, with a soldier to guard him. Now, mind you, this soldier to guard him was most likely chained to him. And after every four hours or so, a new soldier would be chained to him. So yeah, he got to live in, in a house that we'll hear. He, he, he got to have some freedom and some flexibility, but he always had a Roman guard chained up to him. So three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. Is this guy crazy? Like, he's been persecuted for the last two years, plus by the Jewish people and the Jewish leaders. So he gets to Rome, and the first thing he does is he calls together the Jewish leaders. Okay. But he called them together, and when they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, right, because remember, he was and is a Jew, that he's not operating as Christianity and Judaism is something different from each other. No, he just sees that Jesus is the fullness of everything believed in Judaism. My brothers, right? Although I've done nothing against our people or against the custom of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. How do you like that? He, he's, he's in Rome right now. He's been persecuted. They, he's had death threats. He's been jailed for two and a half years. And yet what he shows no ill will to the Jewish people. I'm not intending to fight back against you in court, actually. I'm not going to slander you. I'm not going to bring you down. I'm not going to point my finger and bring charges to get. If I, if I can get them to go after you, they'll maybe not go after me, right? Think about all my tactics, right? Arm the ways we'd go at it. He goes, no, listen, I, I'm not intending to do that. I haven't intended to bring any charge against my own people, right? You're, one, you're, you're part of me. You may not know what I know, but you're with me in this. He goes on to say this, For this reason I've asked to see you and talk with you. It's because of the hope of Israel that I'm bound with this chain. They replied, We've not received any letter from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. What? So nothing. 
They know Paul's going, and no word from those who wanted his life for two and a half years has come. Again, what's going on? Verse 22, we, right, we want to hear. We want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. So they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he had been staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others did not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said, through, the Isaiah, the pro- through Isaiah the prophet, go to the people and say, You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I'd heal them. He's saying this is why so many Jewish people have not not believed. They're they're hard-hearted. They're not seeing. They're not getting it, and they don't want to. But Paul says that's still not going to stop the mission of God. He says, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they'll listen. So he's giving them a chance to hear the gospel, but he's also telling them why the gospel had to also go to those outside Judaism. That there's now one family like we talked about earlier in Acts. There's no more division, no more cultural divisions, no more racial divisions, no more prejudice allowed to happen in God's kingdom, for we were all one in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say this. Luke writes, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. So another two years. For two whole years, he stayed there in his own rented house. So this is on his dime too. How do you like that? You know, not only are you put in jail, but you got to pay for your, your lodging, right? And he welcomed, though, all who came to see him. In that space, he welcomed anyone who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, with what? All boldness, or another way to say that, all freedom and without hindrance. So Paul jailed for another two years. Four and a half years, people coming after him. And what does he do? He continues to proclaim the kingdom of God in Christ Jesus with all boldness and freedom and without hindrance. Say what? The dude is tied to a Roman soldier all the time. Right? He still has to go before Caesar. He has the potential to lose his life. Historians think that actually at the end of, at the end of Acts, we don't hear this. It's an open-ended story, isn't it? I mean, it's just left. Paul's preaching. What happened to Paul? Anybody, right? That's what we want to ask. What happened to Paul? It's an open-ended ending. Well, historians say that he was released at that, a little bit later after that two years. They found nothing wrong with him, so they released him. And Paul had always wanted to go to Spain. We hear this in the book of Romans. Goes to Spain, but then again, as Christianity became less Jewish... It also became more of a threat to the Roman Empire. And the more it whittled away at the Roman Empire, then Paul became an enemy of the state. He was then imprisoned again 
and martyr. But we don't hear that in the book of Acts. Acts ends with him and no hindrance in jail. As I was thinking about that uh, this week, I came across the story of John Bunyan. How many of you have ever heard of Pilgrim's Progress? Anybody? Pilgrim's Progress, aside from the Bible, was, is probably the second most published Christian work in, in history. Pilgrim's Progress has been translated in over 200 languages, and, and, and in it, John Bunyan writes a story about Christian and his journey uh, to the celestial city. As he begins to hear about the great king and what the king does, and actually, um, this week I found a movie released in 2019. I like movies. Yes, I like books, but I like movies. And it's on YouTube. 2019, you can watch it, so have fun. The Pilgrim's Progress. If you want at least an idea of it and don't want to read the book, I'd still encourage you to read the book. But John Bunyan writes The Pilgrim's Progress. You want to know where he wrote it, though? In prison. In 1660, in Bedford, England, see, at that time, the Church of England was a state church as well as the Christian church. And for 20 years, there was freedom to, to, to all sorts of Christianity outside of the Church of England. But when Charles II kind of came into rule, he, he pushed that out and he said, you had to be part of the Church of England. Now, this was not good for John Bunyan because he was part of the Baptist church at that point in time. And being part of the Baptist church and then preaching freely because that's who John Bunyan was, nobody was going to stop him, got him thrown into prison. In, 19, or in 1660, when he was thrown in prison, it was only a three-month sentence to begin with. But the thing was, he wouldn't promise to Charles II and the other local magistrates that he would stop. He was too convinced of what Jesus has done that this was going to cost him. And it cost him the next 11 years and, let's see, nine more months. So he was prison 12 years total. Now this was a bum deal because he had just gotten married to his second wife, Elizabeth, because his first wife, who we don't know her name, she died. But he had four children then, so he left four children with a newly married wife, Elizabeth, and how in the world am I supposed to support them? What am I supposed to do? Right, and this was actually the hardest thing for Bunyan. As he writes in some of his memoirs, it was being separated from her and his children, and who, would, who wouldn't say that, right? To be separated from those we love, but it didn't stop him. The amazing thing about John Bunyan was this, is he, he was allowed to start making shoelaces, much like Paul, who had freedom in his house. How he probably paid for his imprisonment in Rome was he went back to tent making, working with leather. Well, the same way, John Bunyan was working, making shoestrings. How do you like that? So he could help support his family. Those who knew this story would also send money and support to his family. On top of that, not only did he write Pilgrim's Progress in prison, he also wrote eight more works about faith in life. Nothing was going to stop him. You know, he also, you know, you'd think he got thrown in jail for preaching the gospel and having services outside of the official church. you think he'd stop in prison. No, then he'd hold religious services in the prison too. But guess what? He also would win over some of the jailers and they'd secretly be okay with it. The guy wouldn't stop. Over and over and over again, committed to Jesus. His imprisonment, like Paul's, 
wasn't a hindrance. Right? He could proclaim the word of God boldly. How do you do that? Right? How do you not give up? In Acts 27, we hear this. This was the ship, the journey for Paul. Paul's journey to Rome was a six-month journey, and it involved a shipwreck. And in that time, as, as the, the ship was getting closer and closer uh, to, to that particular moment where it would break apart, Luke writes this. In verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Right? That's the normal human interaction, isn't it? That, that would be my emotion. I, I don't know how much longer I can endure this. How can Paul continue to endure this? How can Paul endure three, three different trials over a two-year time and then get on a ship with a bunch of other slaves and Roman guard and then all of a sudden God's like, oh, by the way, nobody's going to listen to you because you know how to sail, but nobody's going to listen to you and they're going to do all the wrong things and the ship's going to get just demolished. Oh, but by the way, God says, but as long as everybody, the whole crew stays with you, you're going to live. Right? We hear this in verse 22. Paul says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. Everybody else's courage has failed. Luke's courage, like my courage most likely. Because <laughs> I'm not standing up here this morning going, oh yeah, I'm a Paul. No, more times than not, I'm probably like Luke. My courage wanes and fails. My faith falters. I lose hope. But Paul says, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Wait a second. Well, but the ship's going to be destroyed, right? I, I might say that. But, but, <laughs> right? And then I don't know if I'm going to buy into this. And actually, actually, at one point in time, some of the Roman guards figured, well, that's nice, Paul, but we're going to get away from you as fast as Paul, possible. And Paul says to the Roman centurion who... who Learn to listen to them, cut all the ropes to all the boats, because if they get off on all those other boats, they're going to lose their lives. So they hacked all the ropes to all the other boats, keeping all those Roman centurions on the boat, and guess what? It saved their lives. But man, that sounds like one special human being to me, because I'm in the we of Luke. Right? I wonder this morning, when we look at our obstacles and our challenges, Right? What is it about the obstacles and the challenges that we face that cause us to lose our courage and sometimes even our faith in God? Right? As we think about the storms that happen, as we think about the trials, as we think about the times where we have failed and we have lost hope, we have lost faith, what is it in those moments? Is it the idea that maybe, you know, the health and wealth gospel, that if I believe in God, everything will be rosy and good, Right? Okay, Cole is baptized, so nothing bad will ever happen to Cole. I wish I could promise you that. But you already know, right? You've seen it in Sam's short life. You've experienced it in yours. Right? That's not the case. Sometimes it's our ideas, our theology, our understanding of who God is that, that causes us to lose faith. Sometimes those, those moments, those days are so long, right? You think about Luke and, and, and the rest of the traveling companions on that ship, man. When it's been dark for a long time, I only have so much energy and I only have so much strength. And there's a point in time where it ends and I give up. 
I wonder this morning, and this isn't with shame or guilt. This is just a wondering. Where do you lose faith? What, it is, what is it about the obstacles and challenges that causes us to shift our attention away from God instead of to Him? You see, because Paul, what allowed him to stay, to endure all of this was this relentless pursuit and also understanding of God's pursuit of him. So his pursuit of Jesus, but knowing that Jesus has pursued him, knowing that God had his back, we continue in Acts 27, right? We, we hear this. So keep up your courage, men. Right? Just a couple verses later, again, says the same thing. Keep up your courage. Keep up your spirit. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So God made a promise to him, and he wasn't going to let go of that promise. Even though, what do we hear? Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Right? Even though we're going to face the trial, what carries Paul through this, and what we've heard throughout all of Acts is this, that the people who were devoted to God knew that God was a promise maker and a promise keeper. That God, who makes promises, is good on his promises, whatever they are. And his purposes, nothing can stand against. That we, in Christ Jesus, have the promises as well as the purpose of God for our life. That our life is something more than our simple circumstance. And in the circumstances, while I say simple, are not always simple, but we know that God has something more in store. We know that God has, ha, ha, is moving and working his life and light out in us and for us and for the rest of the world. Paul was a man of God's promise, anchored deeply in the purpose of what God had. He trusted in that. He believed it. We go back to verse 20 of chapter 28 and we hear this. For this reason I've asked to see you and talk with you as he talks to the Jewish people. It's because of what? The hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. He was anchored deeply and knew he could hold on to the promises of God, the purposes of God, because in Jesus he saw hope realized. Jesus wasn't just an idea to come one day on a hill far, far away. Jesus was the one who had come, who fulfilled all of the promises of God, who, ever, who gave them to his people Israel long before. And he's like, if I've seen Jesus, and Jesus has fulfilled all of this, and this Jesus is alive, well, man, I'm going to follow God. That seems pretty firm to me. If he was good to keep up on century upon centuries of promise to bring salvation in life, it's good enough for me, no matter what I face. He found a, a foundation that, that the earth couldn't shake, that the grave tried to take, and yet what God wasn't going to let stop. Jesus was resurrected. We hear this in 2 Timothy. This was in Paul's final imprisonment. Not this one, but the, the, next, the next imprisonment. His final one that would lead to death as he speaks to his dear friend Timothy in 2 Timothy. He says this, remember Jesus Christ. Right, as he thought about the promises, as he thought about the purposes of God, Jesus Christ was the lightning, that was the, found, or the lightning rod. He was the foundation for all of those promises and purposes. 
He was the one to anchor himself in. That's why he says, remember Jesus Christ. What? Raised from the dead. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this. The resurrection is vital to Paul's ability to face death, to face challenges, to know that death itself has been swallowed up in the victory of Christ because he's the first fruits of life. Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. Jesus is the king. This is my gospel. You can't get more definitive than that. That Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the king, has died and been raised to life. This is the good news. This is my gospel. And this is my gospel for which I'm suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But listen to this. But God's word cannot, is not chained. Paul says with all confidence, God, you cannot stop God, his promises, and his purposes in this world and in this life. He goes, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That's those who would come to know Christ Jesus, right, in faith to believe. He goes, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain salvation, the salvation that is in Christ Jesus, with circumstantial glory no eternal glory life upon life upon life upon life that our god isn't limited to the circumstances our god isn't limited to the moments that we oftentimes are limited by and in and that's why paul over and over again keeps saying it's in christ this is the gospel because there is life and there is light in his promise and his purpose this will carry you through and in philippians philippians was a letter paul wrote so john bunyan wrote nine books pretty impressive but let me tell you this paul wrote four books of the bible in prison right four books colossians ephesians Philippians, Philemon, in this two-year time frame. Now that's pretty impressive, right? Nine books, that's nice, John Bunyan. Half people in the room don't even know you. <laughs> Paul writes four books in the New Testament, right? Inspired by the Spirit. In Philippians, though, he writes this. He says, yes, and I'm going to continue to rejoice. So he's rejoicing in the midst, right? That boldness, that freedom, that without hindrance while being chained to a Roman guard, I choose to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that has happened to me, that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. But listen to how he defines deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed Right, but we'll have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or what? By death. Deliverance wasn't necessarily a circumstantial deliverance. It was one that said, no, I get to see God face to face. But in this, there's, there's two other words. So Paul is anchored in the promise of God, Right? And in the purposes of God. Why? Because he knows King Jesus is alive and ruling his kingdom. That's what we hear in Acts 28. He preaches the kingdom of God. A living hope that is King Jesus. But he says what? But I'm also supported by the prayers of you, God's people. Right? We looked early on in Acts that prayer is vital to the community life of people who are devoted to Jesus. 
Because in prayer, we continue to hang on to Jesus for as much as we got. And in prayer, we realize and find the space where Jesus is holding on to us well beyond what we can hold on to him with. So he says, you know what? It's God's presence. It's God's promises, right? Or God's promises. Let me, let me make sure I get that right. And purposes, because I've got presence coming in just a minute. There's a lot of P words. <laughs> but I got God's promises and presence. <laughs> purposes. And I've got prayers. Right? This is why the community of faith is important. We don't ever do it alone. We're not, attended, we're not intended to do this alone. He goes, you're in it with me. And with that, one of the major themes throughout all of Acts is, and I also have the provision of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of Jesus. Define the Holy Spirit as this, is the presence. There it is. <laughs> the power and the peace of Christ Jesus living within us. Right, Paul could be anchored, could endure the storms, could endure jails, could, could endure stonings to the point of death, could endure getting kicked out, pushed out by people who were, who were once his friends. He could endure people he never knew. He can endure the state of Rome, Caesar. He could even face his death. How and why? Because the presence, the power, and the peace of God was dwelling in him. And what did we say about baptism this morning? That we are baptized with what? And gifted with what? The Holy Spirit of God. Is it something that I earn? Is it something that I can accomplish? Is that something I can get on my own? No, it is the free gift. It is, it is God's amazing grace to us that he would give that to us. All he ever asks in our life is we give way to the Spirit. We trust that Spirit, that, promise, that presence, that power. That we rely on the one who can help us live into the promises. We can trust and hold on to the one who's able to keep us secure in God's purposes, no matter what we face. That's how Paul did it. Friends, that's how we get to do it. That's how we're going to make it. Paul, at times, we've heard this before, wasn't a superman. He had his times where he was weak. He had the times where he had almost lost hope and given up. But in all of those times, he never left God. He never gave up on God because he knew God never gave up on him. At the end of Romans, Romans 8, um, says what? That there is nothing in all of this earth. Angels, demons, life, death, the depths, heights. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Be encouraged with that this morning. Lean on that, trust in that. You may be weak. You may be like Luke, maybe like me, where you've given up and you've watched ships crash and it feels like the world's coming down. I just want to encourage you this, don't run away from God, run to him. So often we run from him instead of choosing to rely on him. Rely on him because he is reliable. His promises, his purposes held Paul. And if they're good enough to hold Paul, they certainly can hold us. 
The prayers of one another to encourage us and walk with one another can be strength for us. And the living presence and power of the Spirit can be our power as well today. So I end with these questions. How can trusting in God's promises, right? How can trusting in God's promises and his purposes in Jesus, the provision of his Spirit, and the prayers of God's people help carry you through? or even transform the challenges you may be facing. Because maybe God might just transform it, and you're telling a story where you're like, hey, and it was without hindrance. Are you kidding me? You're tied to a Roman guard. But it was able to transform Paul's experience. And I believe the power of the Spirit can transform ours. As you think about that, we also know, though, that, again, Acts ends open-ended. The story ends, I think, in a way that says, yeah, Paul kept sharing the gospel. He kept following Jesus. I would love to think that Luke probably just wanted to end the book and say, so what does this mean for you? As you see these people who are devoted to the, to the promises and, and to the purposes of God, as you see these people who prayed and supported one another, as you saw these people empowered by the Holy Spirit, what does this mean for us today? The open-ended ending allows us to ask the question, what is this going to mean for Watershed? What is this going to mean for Heart Oike? After this series, we're going to dive into six weeks. Where are we as Heart Oike? Where are we going together as a community? And we're going to be anchored in Ephesians 2. We did a whole book of Acts in 23 weeks. We're going to do Ephesians 2, 1 to 10 in six weeks. Ten verses, six weeks. How do you like that? But what does this mean for us? Because nothing's going to stop God's purposes. We can be on board with it. We can go along for the ride. Or we can sit back and watch what God does. And we can miss out. Nonetheless, God's going to keep going. And I don't know about you, I want to be with him. And I want you to be with me as we go. Let's pray. God, thank you for your promises and your purposes in Christ Jesus. That's what's lasting. You don't promise us that life is going to be easy. And in fact, there are many times where we see the lives of those who have followed you leading towards challenge, struggle, even death. But God, help us to see that your promises, that your purposes are eternal. They're not merely meant for this moment, this year, or even our years on this earth. Because you desired that we be with you forever, not just for a speck of, a speck of time in history. God, thank you, though, that in Christ that's possible. That's the good news that Paul was going to relentlessly share with the Jews and with the Gentiles. That in you we are joined together and have life and life. God, thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit, your power, your presence, and your peace to strengthen us, to help us, to, to, to help us in our unbelief. When, we, when it's been too long and the ship's about ready to crumble and we're about ready to give up hope, or in the moments where, God, we're holding on and we know it and we believe it and we, we're resilient. 
Because none of that, we're, we're not going to make it through any of those moments if it isn't for you, your power, your strength, and your life. So thank you for it in, Christ, in, in the Holy Spirit. The presence of Christ in our lives. And God, thank you that we can pray. That we can talk to you. We can lament as we heard Dee's prayer at the beginning of uh, of the baptism and, and the message, Lord, that we can cry out to you. We can say it's been long, God. We can celebrate with you. We can, we can have you shape the way we think and, and who we are. God, thank you that those prayers happen. Thank you that you listen to the prayers of your people as we pray for one another, as we try to pray for good things to happen. Lord, we want to see healings. We want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, and so we're going to continue to pray and support each other and lift each other up. But we also know that if those things don't happen, God, we'll pray that your hope is realized. We'll pray that, God, death will be defeated because we know it already has been in Christ's resurrection. So God, continue through your spirit to breathe that life into us, that confidence in us. Change the things that by the world's standards hinder us. And help us believe that they will hinder us no more because nothing stops our God. Nothing can stand against you. You are the name above names. So Lord, we worship you, we praise you, King Jesus, and we thank you that you have never let us go and will never let us go because of your love and your grace and your mercy in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We invite you to stand one more time and join us as we sing again.
glorify, glorify the name of all names. I can't stand against and I choose to praise. To glorify, glorify the name of all names. Nothing can't stand against. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. guess what? He's holding you in your hands, in his hands, whether you know it or not, whether you want it or not. That's the goodness of God. He holds us whether we want it. And he's going to keep holding us until we realize it. And he's going to keep holding us even when we, we, we for whatever reason, the storms, the, the, the shipwrecks, the, the, the imprisonments, gloss over it. Right? He's not going to let go. That's the goodness of his love for that's the goodness of his love for you. That's the goodness of his love for your friends, for your family, for your neighbors, for your coworkers. We go with that gift today. And we go hopefully being refreshed by that same gift as well. Receive this peace, this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance, his smile upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's children said, amen. Amen. Go in peace, and if you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we'd appreciate it.